Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. Once again, we welcome you to Impact Church. We just want to take a moment to um, introduce our guest speaker for today. Um, Miss Lita Warner has served this house faithfully for many years in different capacities. She led praise and worship, um, the praise and worship team. She currently is director over our uh, discipleship department and has served her and her husband just faithfully for so many years. And this is her first time speaking on a Sunday, and we're so excited. She's also a very close friend of ours, and she just, just she's bubbling over with the word that God has placed within her, within her for us for today. And so we just wanted to take the time just to just love on her and just, um, just introduce her to you and just say we are so excited for what she has for us. Lita is a, a woman of integrity. If you know her, she's a woman of honor. She's a woman of authority, uh, sometimes overbearing authority, yeah. but it's on her life. And we are so grateful for not everything she's ever done for Impact Church, but this season that God has brought her to and this level that God has taken her to. And as a church today, as a family today, I really want you to receive the word of God that she is speaking and put your faith behind the word that is going forward today because God has something prepared for you today to receive. So after this next video, the next voice you will hear will be Lita Warner. God bless you, family. Children fantasy. I popped out a bunch of children who were great sleepers, and they never had diarrhea shooting out of the back of their diaper into their hair. And speaking of hair, no knots ever. They were vegetable-loving, chore-loving little angels. Before I had actual kids, my fantasy kids, they called me mom, not mom. And they never threw tantrums in public in the middle of a mall or a library or a church during a funeral. I mean, other people's kids did that, but not my children. Mm-mm. Mm. And most importantly, motherhood fulfilled me completely. And I loved every single second of it. But in reality, motherhood is nuts. My kids, nuts, completely nuts. So nuts that sometimes I have to hide away in the pantry and have snacks in my mouth because the way today is going, no, the way today is going, there's no way I'm gonna have time for a sit down meal like a fancy person. No time for forks today, people. See, this parenting gig is not for wusses. Oh, it is not. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my actual children more than I ever imagined I could love anyone. But parenting is hard. I mean, we're raising humans, like real ones, with different personalities and tendencies. And let's be honest, no one is actually completely equipped for this gig. I mean, this is harder than brain surgery, trying to raise tiny little helpless babies into responsible, decent adults. This is no joke, people. We all create this fantasy of what we think motherhood will look like. And then when reality hits and we can't reach the fantasy, then we're just left feeling inadequate, right? Laying in bed at night, beating ourselves up and feeling guilty. Am I right? 
But see, this is the new approach I've taken recently. Instead of laying in bed late at night feeling guilty about all the things I didn't accomplish, which basically means feeling guilty that I'm not superwoman who can do everything perfectly and check off 3,000 things off her to-do list, instead I start thinking about all the things that I did accomplish. Because the fact that I could keep humans alive and fed and loved and maybe, maybe fit in a shower for myself like once a week, that deserves some major credit. We pile so much guilt on ourselves because we're self-abusive freaks. We need to stop. Mm -hmm. We need to change our focus from everything we lack and everything we suck at to thinking about all the things we're accomplishing and all the things we actually are getting right. This is why I own a tiara, people. It's not a joke. It's a uniform, the mom uniform. Tiara, pajama pants, any shirt that isn't white, and a coffee pot. The mom uniform. So in days when you've survived being a grown-up and survived rinsing out your toddler's pooped underwear and survived running 19 errands and answering slash ignoring 726 but why mom questions and survived your dog vomiting all over the carpet and your teenager temporarily hating you, on those days, wear a freaking tiara. Because you earned it. I think next year, instead of flowers for the moms, we're going to get tiaras. I said, we definitely earned it in this place. Well, my mama's out there. Come on, let me hear you shout it out. Big shout out to my own mother. God bless you. She had four kids. Um, I didn't even want one. Um, I'm going to be honest. It took me five years to get there. And even then, it was with immense Holy Spirit conviction. Uh, I think my dad called my pastors, actually, and they were like, keep, me, keep, keep us in prayer. We're going to keep praying that these kids wouldn't have kids of their own. And it's hard. It's hard, yeah? Um, some mothers, uh, my good friend Ebony Shore, uh, Miss Bibi Ortega, Pastor Olga, I mean, they make it look like easy. And these women that are just incredible uh, give us a reason. I was like, okay, you know, if they can do it, sure. <laughs> uh, we can too. So my shout out to my mamas. I feel like we should have a Mother's Day at least once a quarter, right? Uh, to celebrate for all the stuff that we see seen and unseen, we honor you guys. God bless you. Please shout out to all the mamas in the room. Y'all are amazing. I'm so grateful for our pastors in the house. Pastor Jamin, Pastor Olga. Legitimately, your passion, your commitment to Christ. The anointing that this man and woman carry. They literally walked into a city where there had just been a shooting. The atmosphere all around had shifted as a result of the anointing that they carry. This is the men and women of God that God has chosen to lead this church. And we are so incredibly blessed. Please help me honor our pastors today. <laughs> Pastor Jamin, Pastor Olga, carry on your lives. Not every church gets to experience that. We're supremely blessed. Hallelujah. All right, before we get started to the word, God, let's just say a little quick prayer. Father, anoint your word. Please give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive of your word. And then read Jesus, amen. All right. Awesome. Are you ever wondering where uh, it said, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus doesn't say this. I say this. But uh, you say the best for last. Ever, anybody ever heard that? I think it comes from the Bible. I'm going to step away from the Bible because I don't want to get struck by lightning. Because <laughs> it's just a theory. In Genesis chapter 2, when all creation was being formed, it says God created Adam and there was no suitable helper. So then he created Eve. My point, creation was not done until a woman was made. Amen. All right. 
I'm gonna just shout out to all my ladies out there, right? One of my very favorite quotes says, the woman was made out of the rib, out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. You know, throughout my 20s and uh, early teens, no, late teens, early 20s, there was always an expectation Especially as a Honduran woman to, uh, you know, go forth and get married at like 21, 22, which is kind of like a Midwest thing too, right? We get married early around here. In California, that's not the case. Um, in Honduras, I mean, 19, 20, 21, super, super common. And that was no different with me. And every time I was in a relationship, uh, my dad would be like, all right, so, is, you know, is this happening? And, you know, what's going to happen here? And I was like, mm -mm. I don't know about this. So I would ask the godly women in my life at different seasons, and it was like, how do you know when you've met the one? Yeah, anybody ever had, no, just me? It's okay, it's just me. All right, we'll talk about my testimony. Um, and in all different seasons of my life, they would all say, like, when you know, oh, y'all heard that too. Okay, it wasn't just me. Awesome. So yeah, when you know, you know. And single people out there, raise your hands, show me some love. Yeah, I see you. I see you. All right. It was the most annoying answer. It, I mean, it really was. I had uh, three previously relationships prior to Ryan, and I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know the certainty that they're talking about. I have no idea. And it wasn't until I met Ryan, this really super handsome guy up here, incredibly talented. I'm sorry, he does have a wedding band on. He is taken. He is spoken for. He is mine. Savvy. But it really was the Holy Spirit who confirmed it. And I wish they would have just said that. Like, hey, the Lord will tell you. Because they didn't. They just said, you'll know. And I was like, what is this knowing stuff? Because they didn't. This guy. This guy right here. Right is everything I thought I wanted and everything I never even knew to ask for. So to all my single ladies out there, do not compromise yourselves or your beliefs or your convictions. All right? Do not uh, allow your, for your ambitions to be trampled by by anybody. And do not lower your standard for a man that does not beat God's standards. All right? In our story, it was really interesting because Ryan and I weren't even in a relationship. Like, we were friends. And we hadn't even seen each other for a month because I was in the mountains of Honduras on a mission trip. I was in Honduras. He was in Indiana. And on my last day there, it was the Holy Spirit who had spoke to me. And he brought up these two scriptures. Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And not to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. To him be the glory. So do not compromise yourselves. Do not settle. It'll be worth the wait. I promise you that. Ryan and I have been married for eight and a half blissful years. We have two beautiful, exhausting, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like all beautiful things and uh, like all that comes up to mind. He's like, the mom. <laughs> My four-year-old just came into that stage. But why? But why? Everything is because I said so. And I thought I swore to myself I would never say that. And it's, it comes several times a day now. 
is because I said so. All right, so the pastors, uh, thank you so much for the very amazing introduction. And some of you I have had the pleasure of doing ministry with uh, throughout the seasons here at Impact Church. And some of you, you know, you don't know me, and that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but I do want you to know I'm 100% uh, Honduran. Both my parents from Honduras, they actually just got back from there on an amazing mission trip as well. But as a result, I speak fast. It's fast, it's loud, and it's constant. It comes out whether it's in English or Spanish, that's the way it comes out. So I'm going to try to slow it down, but I make no promises. You've been, not warned, because, you know, I don't have a torpedo coming at you, but you've been advised, all right? You've been advised. That just sounds a little bit better. <laughs> Lord, help me. All right. If you have your Bibles, please stand with me just for the reading of the Word of God, just in reverence and respect. We're going to be in John chapter 5. I'm going to be reading at a Living Bible, and then we're going to turn to Mark chapter 2. So John chapter 5. And then Mark chapter 2. All right, John chapter 5 says, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish religious holidays. And inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the Pool of Bethesda, with five covered platforms or porches surrounding it. Crowds of sick folks, lame, blind, or with paralyzed limbs, they lay on the platforms, waiting for a certain movement of the water, for an angel of the Lord came from time to time to disturb the water. And the first person to step down into it afterwards was healed. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to help me into the pool at the movement of the water. And while I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And at once, instantly, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. But it was on the Sabbath when this miracle was done. All right, so we're going to represent, before we go on to Mark chapter 2, this is going to be our mat for guy one. All right? Here we go. Mat one. And this is going to be our representation I've got, you tell my mama, she gave me permission. <laughs> she said specifically the ones that I could borrow, actually. This is going to be guy one. All right, in Mark chapter two, moving on. And again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. I, I just, how many of you know that Jesus is in the house today? Right, yeah, come on. Okay, I can't keep doing that. We got a time. All right, immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them, and they came to him, bringing a paralytic who had, was carried by how many men? Four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, someone say that, when Jesus saw their faith. Come on, he said to the paralytic, sons, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? 
Which is easier to say, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. All right, family, you may be seated. Thank you so much. While you're sitting down, we're just going to set up mat too. Yeah, I work out. These are mine. I make Ryan do it too. That's why there's two. <laughs> Nothing. We're good. We got twins. It's going to represent paralyzed man number two. How many friends did he have with him? He had four, four friends. We got the tiger. How many of y'all have tiger in your crew? We got the dinosaur, relentless, the one that's always going to be barking at you. Maybe that's me. I'm not sure. (laughs) And the friend that's going to keep it in perspective. They might fall. That might happen. All right, we're going to have a breakdown. Today's message is called Maybe Today. Maybe Today. So in the first one, we get a little bit more detail of the life of this man. So there's a pool. I don't know. Maybe it was warm. Maybe not. It doesn't tell us. But it was surrounded with people who were lame, blind, and paralyzed limbs. And on occasion, an angel of the Lord would come down and move the water. And the first person to step down into it would receive their miracle. In verse 5, we have a man, we learn, who was paralyzed for 38 years. And in verse 7, we find out why. It says, I have no one to help me into the pool of the movement of the water. Someone always gets ahead of me. So really we find that he missed his turn, right? So why did, why did he miss his turn? That was, that's really the question. He was alone and he was depending on others for his miracle. All right, the problem we face today is we depend on others to make us happy. We depend on others to make us complete. And sometimes because of that dependency, we sacrifice truth. We refuse to stand up for what we really believe in for fear that we may lose the very thing or the very person that we have come to depend on. See, when we depend on others more than we depend on God, we will never see the fullness of what God has for us. All right, in the second story, this guy was here. He was a man who had been paralyzed The Gospels don't say for how long. It doesn't say that maybe he had tried to go to the pool and, you know, his friend tried to throw him in. You know, sink or swim, bud. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. But in Mark's account, it does specifically say that he was carried by four men. All right? In the two stories, we have two different guys with the same issue. Both were paralyzed. Both had dependency issues. Both healed by Jesus. And both told to pick up their mats. I want to look at some of the differences between guy one and guy two. I kind of wish they had names. But we'll go with guy one and guy two. All right, in the first one, he was alone. And he had been alone for probably a long time in that place. But he had been in the pool of Bethesda where there was a possibility of him getting healed. When? I don't know. I mean, this guy didn't even realize that it was Jesus, the one that was talking to him. He just didn't. 
But we have guy two, and guy two had his crew with him. And together, they knew exactly where they were going, exactly who they were going to go to, and exactly what to ask for. So there's a difference between what's possible and what's probable. All right, so we're going to look at some of these differences between what's possible and what's probable. So the possible refers to what can be done, and the probable refers to what is likely to be done. But when we're walking with the Lord, in Matthew 19, 26, it says, but with God, all things are possible, all right? So some of us fall into one of these two categories. Sometimes we're the first guy, and we feel alone. And sometimes we're over here where we want to maybe have pity on ourselves, but you have those people, and maybe your mama's on that relenting crew, and she is dragging you to church by your hair. It's not going to let you sit in that pool for much longer. It's not going to let you wallow in that mat. And she's going to get you and pick up your church and be like, I don't care what you're going through. God is not going to allow you to remain in that place. God doesn't want to see you laying down on that mat. God wants you to pick you up. He's telling you today, get up, stand up, and pick up that mat. I understand that in this place, not all of us have a physical paralysis upon our lives. But we're spiritually paralyzed, emotionally paralyzed, financially paralyzed, relationally paralyzed. We're paralyzed by fear. We're paralyzed by the past. We're paralyzed by shame. We're paralyzed by guilt. We're paralyzed by self-pity. We're paralyzed by depression, by oppression, by anxiety. We're paralyzed by unforgiveness and paralyzed by unbelief. Oftentimes, we're so paralyzed by the opinion of others, especially in today's society, paralyzed by the constant need to be affirmed and validated. All right, someone like, 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 like. This is us. A hundred. One hundred. This is us. With everything that we post, we're influencing the people around us. Hashtag one day blessed life. Living my best life. And the next day, oh, my love stings. Oh, bleep, bleep, had a bad day. Hashtag don't even care. Blah, blah, blah. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge uh, fan of social media. It's allowed me to connect with friends and family all over the world. But I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we spent the same amount of time on our knees or in the word of God that we do on social media venting. <laughs> Hashtag, let's filter it first through the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. We have this amazing opportunity with social media to evangelize in a th non-threatening non-creepy manner, right? We have an opportunity to uplift, to encourage, to testify, to bring others to Jesus. So I'm just going to step off that soapbox. That was for free. You don't got to charge me for that. It's all right. <laughs> After everything is said and done, the reality is that we are not defined by the likes of many. We are defined by the love of one. And first, all right, let me get back to my story. All right. In verse 6 of the first story, Jesus asked him, would you like to get well? And the man replies, I can't. I can't, I can't. Okay, so through the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self, uh, gentleness, and self-control. No way does this say sarcasm, right? Because uh, his reply to him is, I can't. And if I were Jesus, and so praise God that I'm not, but I'd be like, no, nah, bro, I know that. That's why I'm asking you, right? Would you like it? 
And all of us are like, I can't. Kind of sounds like Moses. I can't. I can't do it. How often are we so blinded by our circumstances that we fail to see that it's Jesus Christ? It is our maker. It is the one that died on the cross who loves you so much, who is walking right up to you and asking, do you want your miracle? This is Jesus coming right up to us. And here's the really interesting thing about the story. In part one, guy one, he was already in a place where miracles happened from time to time. There was already a heavenly ordinance in place. All right, not done by man, not by the devil, not by demons. It was a heavenly ordinance already there where an angel of the Lord would come and move the water. But thanks be to God, from time to time, just like with guy one, Jesus will bypass the system that he has already set in place and will walk right up to you, right where you're at, in the midst of people all over that are also in need of healing, and he will look to you right in your situation. He loves you so much, so much, that in the midst of an unprecedented challenge, right where you're at, Jesus will come in order how you thought you might get your miracle and change things up just for you. That is the Jesus Christ that we serve. In this point, God doesn't want to just change your circumstances. He wants to change you. And guy one says that he had been this way for 38 years. 38 years. When you've been under something for any length of time, any sort of condition, that condition becomes your identity. When you're suffering from something and you can't begin to take on the name of that disease or that issue, trading the name of your creator in whose image you were made. So now that paralysis speaks more to you than the God, than the word of God over you, and it happens to all of us. But maybe today, God doesn't see you through the lens of your paralysis. Maybe today, he sees you through the lens of grace. And he is wanting to extend that grace to you. In chapter 2, this guy with his crew, they knew where they were going. They knew what to ask for, who to ask it from. And come hell or high water, they were going to get to Jesus. And in Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, their collective faith, I'm willing to bet that this guy, he's like, all right, guys, we tried. We tried to go in. And they're like, nah, we're, we're doing this. We're going to get this. All right, so now we get to the house and we're crowding. And he's like, okay, there's a lot of people here. You know, maybe Jesus can't. This is what I'm imagining, guy two. You guys have brought me to this far, and I'm so grateful for you, but it's obvious we can't get in. And you have these people in your life that we're so incredibly blessed to have that are going to get you some way and somewhere, shape or form, we're going to get to that roof and we're going to make a hole because oftentimes we have people in our lives, whether we like it or not, that are going to walk you through all the way through. They're going to walk this life, this journey, this season with you all the way through. The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith and very easily when they were bringing back down, I mean, he interrupted everything that had been taking place already. Can you imagine the little tree limbs and mud and stuff that was falling on people's hair and already causing a distraction as it was coming down? 
Can you imagine the look on his face? Like, I'm so sorry, but will you still? I promise I'll clean this up, but I'm just here for you. In all of the Gospels, the most probably amazing thing is that there was no conversation that took place, at least not that was recorded, between the man that was put down on the mat by his friends and Jesus. All it said is that Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. Guy one did not give an answer of yes or no, but rather he gave an excuse as to the why. And guy two, the actions left no question of why they wanted to see Jesus. We've all been paralyzed by something or someone in some way, shape, or form. And paralysis looks different on everybody. I was debating whether or not to share this, and right now I just feel in my heart that I need to. And I've shared with this uh, with some of you maybe five-ish years ago. So I was in the military, in the Air Force, and at 18, I was super gung-ho. I was spiritually on fire for the Lord. I was leading praise and worship and teaching and preaching. And I had an amazing family and friends, and I was living the high life. I have three amazing brothers, and these wonderful men of God, they just got my back the whole time. And needless to say, I'm the only girl, so also a daddy's girl in the midst of that. I'm very proud to be one as well. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to the Air Force, mostly because I couldn't afford college and I wanted to be in a good career and it offered a good opportunity and they were paying for my college and I was getting good experience and all of that anyway. So another story for another time. So I'm like, all right, I'm going. And the Lord released me and the Holy Spirit spoke to my dad because he uh, was not initially gung-ho about it. You know, parents will get there. It's okay. If the Lord is sending you, the parents will get there. All right, so I'm coming out of this bus and I'm 18 years old, just brand spanking new and I'm super gung-ho and I get down and off and I mean they're in your face these TIs are like get out of the car what are you still waiting for come on come on come on and they in your face and I'm like there must be somebody behind me because my papa doesn't talk to me like that right and I was like what is going on right now and they're lining you up and they're like okay you know they're lining up by alphabetical order and they're taking people's stuff so you're, you're coming whatever you're wearing you're, I was from California at the time, so I had a tank top and shorts on, which December in Texas is not a good idea, just for quick reference. So they're taking off, um, everybody lined up on the line, and they're taking people's stuff, and I'm like, they're going to take all my stuff. They're going to take my Bible. And it's like, what am I supposed to do now? So I'm getting to the line, and I'm seeing take of stuff, and I'm like, all right, I'm going I'm to just grab that. And I had this itty-bitty tiny navy blue Old Test or New Testament, and I just kind of hit it in, you know, my unmentionables. And I was like, okay, don't ask me. Don't ask me. Don't, don't ask me. You know, because like, obviously you can't lie. But it's like, they don't ask me. They don't know. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. And I was like, I got to hold them to something. Something my identity is found in Jesus. That's like the only thing I have right now. So I put it in my unmentionables. And like, they're coming out. And our very first night there, I mean, it was awful. I mean, they, uh, the point of the military is to kind of strip you down and build you back up. And they do that. They make you feel like scum, the dirt of the world. And, you know, they try to build you back up. And on my very first night there, this is me. I hope this doesn't break, okay? Pastor, I, I promise I'll replace it if it does. So I'm, I'm here. I'm in this place. And I'm lying down on a cot because that's all you get. Or at the time, maybe now they have beds or something. I don't know. And I'm sitting here and I am bawling my eyes out. I'm 18 years old, fresh out of high school with the most amazing family and the most supportiveness in, in the world, and I am riding on the cloud 
of being so in love with Jesus and I thought that I could just conquer the world. And I find myself in a place where I have never felt more alone. And it was in that moment, as clear as I am speaking to you right now, the voice of the Holy Spirit that comes when he's never late, never early, but right on time. Who will you turn to now? And it's interesting because in that moment, it was two different voices. And it's all about your perspective and how you view this. It was like, who are you going to turn to now? And it's the Holy Spirit. And it's the enemy right on the other side. And it's like, that's right. You're all alone. And you got nothing. And the worst part of it is your TI, your training instructor will be like, you volunteered to be here. Man, if that's not killing me, like, yeah, you're right. All right. So it's the middle of the night. I'm like, all right, Lord, it's two o'clock in the morning and they have uh, these taps, like tap shoes that they put on the TIs and it's like, click, 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 click through your dorm room and you can hear the clicking of the shoes and they're doing their inspections, making sure that everybody's in their cotton and somebody, you know, hasn't gone AWOL because that can also happen in the midst of misery. Uh, but they're there and I just hear them go by and I'm still wide awake and you just see the quietness of the sobs rolling down my cheeks and I'm like, I'm so alone. Oh, what am I doing? This was a terrible decision. I thought you called me to be here. And I found myself in a place of being alone. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit just prompted me and said, get up. Get up. So I did. And I went to the bathroom because it's the only place with light. They have uh, several bathroom stalls and they don't have any doors on them. And then there's the shower area. It's about a nine by nine room. Square with shower heads all around. Shower heads here and there. And that was the only place with light. So I grabbed the corner and I just sat there and I grabbed my New Testament. And I tried to make myself as small as possible so nobody would see me and I just started reading. And wouldn't you know it, because I did not know this at the time, that they have guards that uh, walk the perimeter at nighttime. And I heard the walking of the feet. I was like, maybe just somebody used the potty. They're not gonna come to the shower. It's totally fine. It's fine. Nobody sees me. It's fine. I'm just gonna keep reading. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me. I'm like, hey, what do you got there? Oh, it's like, Holy Spirit, I thought you were going to make me invisible right now. No, no, okay, okay, just kidding. All right, we're having a conversation, but I was like, no, it's, it's nothing, I'm just reading. It's like, hey, what are you reading? It's like, I was the, actually, it's the New Testament. It's like, well, you know, will you read it out loud to me? This is kind of a really weird request, some strange person that I've never met before. It's like, okay, let's, let's read it out loud. So, but don't tell anybody, all right, because I don't want us to get in trouble. I know we're supposed to be on our cots. We'll just read for a little bit, and then we'll go back to bed. The same thing happened the next night. Got up about 2 o'clock in the morning, sneaked over, sneak, 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 got into my little corner, started reading my word. And wouldn't you know what? This girl brought somebody else. And I was like, you're supposed to tell anybody. We're going to get caught. It's like, all right. By the end of my 12 weeks in training, every girl that was in the barracks was cramped in that nine by nine room. Every girl in those barracks were wanting to listen to the word of God. 
Believe me, it would have been just as easy to sit down and stay here and stay paralyzed in the midst of my circumstances. It would have been just as easy to keep crying and wallowing within my self-pity, thinking that God had brought me through something when I was wrong. But God is wanting to call you up from your paralysis because it may not even be for you, but it's to pick up the next person, to bring them to the feet of Jesus. He is walking right up to you this morning and saying, do you want to get well? Do you want to get Regardless of your paralysis, it does not define you. Behind your seats, family, for the front row, there should have been something on there. You have a little piece of paper. And if the Holy Spirit has been speaking something to you this whole time that we've been in service, something that's been stirring, something that when I say paralysis, it comes straight to your mind. I want you to take that little piece of paper and write it down. Just write down that thing, that person, that place that has you paralyzed. Maybe you're like the first guy that came to this place thinking maybe, maybe something might happen. I mean, it's possible I'm in church where things happen from time to time. But maybe you're here with guy too, with an expectation of something, knowing that your miracle lies in this place. And if you could just break through the crowd, if you could just break through the roof, don't break the down through this roof. Our security will get up on you. But you're welcome to come in. If you could just break through, if you could just get to Jesus, if he could just see you, then you would hold on to this. Reverend Joshua preached so eloquently on faith, and today you get to choose if your paralysis ends today. Because faith is moving on a maybe. Faith does not make things easy. It makes things possible. In both stories, it was really the mat that captured my attention. And I talked it over with Pastor, and he was like, I think the guy with the friends were the ones also. And I was like, oh my gosh. Those were the same words. Why? Why would Jesus have us pick something up, this, 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 this thing, this material from our past, something that was probably extremely dirty, probably stained with blood from the sores that you get from lying in one place for too long, probably filled with tears from the very nights where they cried themselves to sleep because they had nothing or no one to take them past that place. Why would Jesus have them pick up that mat? I didn't, I didn't get it. Why would he have us pick up something from our past? Because no other miracle has us pick up. And instead, he has us like take things off. You know, when you're reading about the miracles of Jesus, this is when he tells them, pick it up. And it was through a lot of prayer. And the Bible doesn't say this, so I'm just, just theorizing with me. So follow along with me. So if they had left the mat there, there maybe would be an expectation that they would go back to that place. Because if you leave it behind, you're telling somebody one day you might go back to that life. That you might go back to that place. You might go back to that thing or to that person. But today we're declaring, I don't live there anymore. So I'm going to pick that sucker up and put it on my shoulder and tell Satan and everybody else who's wanting to listen, I do not live there anymore. I do not live in failure anymore. I do not live in sin anymore. I do not live in condemnation anymore. I do not live in shame anymore. I do not live in hopelessness anymore. I do not live in fear anymore. I'm no longer 
a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. Some of us are like the first guy that we've been paralyzed for days, weeks, or months, or maybe even 38 years. And we have felt alone and have been so absorbed by our circumstances that we haven't looked up to see that it's Jesus here today still asking you the same question as he did over 2,000 years ago. Would you like to get well? Some of us are more like I too, with the great support system, unwilling to allow us to remain in that paralyzed state. No matter what it takes, they're going to come with you on your journey and they won't see you staying on that mat. Even if you do not have faith for yourself, you can borrow mine. You're here with your crew. And you have an expectation of your miracle. Maybe today, maybe today, even if you came alone, maybe today, maybe today you came with an expectation and maybe today Jesus will look past you breaking through something to get to him and he will see the dire need in your eyes and will see your collective faith and will say, stand up, pick up your mat. And walk. All over this place. Some of us have come through the door. Maybe as a gift to your mama. But I'm telling you, it's not by coincidence that you're here today. Throughout this entire service, something is maybe stirring within you. And I'm going to extend an invitation. If you have not made a decision to ask Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you would like to commit your life to Jesus Christ, to lead, I don't want to be on that mat anymore. Like Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Most of us in this room have already said a prayer like this, have already made a decision like this, and will raise their hand and say, this is the best decision I have ever made. And if that's you today, and you would like to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I would ask that you would stand up. Stand up. Maybe you've already made a decision, and you said, look, you know what? I just stepped back. I've gone back to that mat. But today, I needed to a reconciliation. I think you to make Jesus my priority. I need to stand up. I need to pick up that mat. Because the rest of the world needs to know that I don't live there anymore. If there's anybody in this room that would like to make that decision all over this place, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's really a simple acknowledgement. 
Believe that Jesus is Lord. Confess him with your mouth. Believe that he died for your sins, was raised three days later. Just repent. And that's it. It's really easy. Family, I'm going to end with this. We've all been paralyzed in our lives in some way, shape, or form through all those seasons. And you can receive your miracle by faith all over this room. If you have written something on that piece of paper, and today we would like a declaration together. If you have that piece of paper and there's something written on it, I want to challenge you just to lift it up. Just lift it up. And today with me, say these words, I will never be paralyzed again. Today we're taking every thought captive in the name of Jesus. And we're declaring paralysis ends today. If you have something written on that card, and you have that mat on your hand, that person, place, or thing that's been keeping you in a paralytic state, you have that in your hand. So what comes next? And what comes next, like Jesus, will require some action. I'm going to tell you, get up. In this moment, if you have that mat in your hand and you're not already standing, I'm going to tell you to get up. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat and walk. This altar is open to you. And it's 100% up to you to receive this by faith. To start walking and declare, I'm not going back to that place anymore. I'm not leaving my mat for someone else to take my place. And right now at this altar, I'm inviting you, family, to leave that paralysis at the altar. To leave that paralysis at the feet of Jesus. Telling, Lord, I receive my miracle by faith. If this is for you all over this place, come up. Come up. This is something that's between you and God. And that's it. Come up. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the altar. Father God, in the name of Jesus, all over this place, Lord, there has been things that have been keeping us paralyzed for too long. And today we're declaring that we don't want to live there anymore. And in surrender, we are bringing these things to you in a step of faith, knowing that tomorrow can be the same or it can be different. And the difference is you. You make the difference in me. You make the difference in my decisions. You make the difference in what happens now. You make the difference. Today, all over this place, we're going to declare that we are a child of God. That we are no longer slaves to fear that we are a child of God. And we're going to come through with a breakthrough. Making that declaration so that Satan and every demon and legion out there will realize that they can keep their hands off because we are a child of God. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are no longer paralyzed on that map. But that we can come to the one true God who leads us to salvation. Who leads us to stand up. Who leads us to tell us to pick it up. Who leads us to keep walking. Keep walking. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.